Hi, and welcome to Adventure Blather with Emily and Hannah, the podcast where we talk world swimming, to running, to travel and seeing the world. So whether you're listening on an adventure or wondering where to start, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to episode six. I'll just explain that I am just back from holiday, so I actually had to I actually had to count on my fingers there of what episode this was. <laughs> Do you know what day it is? No. <laughs> Plus, I've came back to work on a Tuesday, which has totally thrown everything. Um, but I do recommend it because it definitely feels better than going back on a Monday when you have a this full a week. Slightly shorter week, definitely. Yes, welcome to episode six. It's quite exciting because da 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 we have a male guest on the show today. Finally let the uh, the blokes join in in the party. <laughs> we have. I mean, we are women supporting women mainly. However, we do have to give a shout out for those men that are inspiring us, us and the other, others as well. I can't even speak. Can't even speak. This is what happens when you go on holiday. I know. <laughs> Your brain just stops working. I'm in holiday mode still. How was the holiday? Let's hear about it. It was awesome. I mean you know 10 11 days of doing sweet fa <laughs> um, is pretty good i know package holidays aren't for everybody i know it's not you know super exciting doing different things but it's also a real good time for us just to be as a family just together um everybody just seems to chill out a lot more i mean there's ups and downs i'm going with my two daughters and my husband so it does have its moments it was great it was hot some days a bit too hot, but can't really complain when I think we looked at the weather forecast for home and it was pouring a rain. Yeah, it's not been great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, but yeah, we've learned things from the holiday as well. So we've been to this hotel before and it is absolutely stunning. It's gorgeous, but it's not got a lot round about it. And I think with the older the girls get, the more they're not interested in entertainment. They're happy with the pool and the beach, but see at night, it just would be nice to be able to venture out a little bit as well. So I think that's what we'll look for in a future holiday. But it was great. I did race to the stones just before I went, the 50k. It was actually, I'm loving this. Do an ultra or a marathon and then go on holiday after it. Because that's what I did with Brighton. Yeah, I was going to say, you did that with your um, holiday early in the year. It is the way forward, people. Like, (laughs) And it also kind of forces you to rest because I think if you're just home, you're sort of in the way of, I haven't ran for like two days, maybe I should. It actually give, gave me that time to just chill a bit more. I did run, but not till much later in the week. I was going to say, no, hold on a minute. Step, take a step back here. How many marathons have you done this year? <laughs> um, oh, sorry, marathons slash ultras. Could you afford to go on holiday after every marathon? <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> but no, it was it was really good. And Race to the Stones was amazing. For something I was a bit nervous about because I hadn't really trained, but not trained for it, I suppose. Um, we went, me and my friends just had a bit of a jolly. Um, it was great. The food stops, oh my God, were immense. I did see you raving about the food stuff. Oh, there was every, I, I wish I took my pack empty. I mean, I filled it full of the stuff that they gave us, but it you had like bread to make your own sandwiches. They had pre-made sandwiches. They had every type of crisps you wanted, like just everything. And they had tea, they had soup, they had juice, they had flat Coke, they had everything <laughs> it's great the problem was though and there's a really well-known expression in some of the ultras is when you are at these pit stops it's stop fannying about and i am definitely guilty of the fannying about because i just was like willy wonka chocolate factory style excitement of like 
look at what they have here. Look at what they have over here. Doesn't sound like you at all. No, I don't get motivated by food at all. <laughs> but it was awesome. So if anybody ever fancies an event, uh, I think it's Threshold Trails that do it. So they do like Race to the Stones, Race to the King. I would highly recommend them because at first I thought for what they were charging, you know, you still had to buy your bus, you still had to buy your parking ticket, you had to buy a GPS if you wanted it. Like, so that kind of put me off at first because I thought that's a lot of extra money. But actually see the whole event was really well, you know, the route was really well marked out. The volunteers were outstanding and the start line was even better because it's a a 6am start, which I love. Get it done early. (laughs) But also it was a relaxed start. So you didn't have to start exactly at six. You could literally just wander. And we started maybe about quarter past, 20 past. So got to the loo, you know, got ourselves ready, took some photos where our names were on the big sign. Done. <laughs> so it was great. It sounds amazing. Yeah. So it was it was awesome. But we do have some exciting news as well, don't we, Hannah? Somebody's <laughs> joining us at Loch Ness 24. I finally caved. <laughs> yeah, we knew it was going to happen, everybody. I am very excited. And I'm your team captain. I was trying, so we were trying in the background. I was trying really hard to keep it secret from Emily. And I was kind of doing well. I, you know, I was planning on how to get there and everything. And then somebody was un- unfortunately not able to make it. And But that spot was on Emily's team. So I kind of had to tell her. <laughs> oh, I was so happy, I have to say. Because it's like all my favourite people are going <laughs> All my favourite Instagrammers and real people are going, so it'll be a great week weekend, sorry, as well. And obviously we'll get Personal Best, who won the Loch Ness 24 place. So he's coming, um, and I can't wait to, to meet the gentle giant himself. I know. Oh, bless him. So you were out at the weekend as well. You were out with our first guest, guest Emily, should I say? Yeah, we spent the weekend in the lakes, in the van, and Emily took us for a lovely walk around Buttermere, and we went for a dip, obviously. It was stunning. Like, the quieter parts of the lakes are just so much nicer. I mean, all of the lakes are beautiful, mm. but I just don't do, I don't do well with crowds at yeah. all. So yeah, we had all four dogs with us, and Emily's got her puppy. Oh. But yeah, so we had like six dogs, two kids, and four adults, and uh, I think the adults probably caused the most you know, yeah. <laughs> up to the most, but it's fine. We had a lovely time. And then we'd kind of planned to go for a paddle in the morning on the Sunday. Neither of us had actually looked at the weather. We got up in the morning, I was like, shall we just go for breakfast instead? That sounds like a much better idea. Oh, there was weather warnings and everything. I'm like, it's so not like me to not check the weather. And we just didn't. We're like, yeah, let's go and do this. And then it's like, oh. It's the same with Loch Ness 24, though. We're all, not weather-wise, but we're all like, yeah, bring your paddleboard. And I'm now going... How are we going to fit a paddleboard in with like <laughs> tents, sleeping bags, all the food, all the clothes? You know, I don't know. I think we might have to bring like one paddleboard to share between four. It'll, I, I am so looking forward to it. Oh, I know. I know. So what have you got planned coming up? Have anything exciting? Do you know what? We've got absolutely nothing planned. Don't Apart from that, that is the, I think that was why I was so desperate to get something in the diary and but running for 24 hours seemed like a good idea <laughs> I know yeah um Kaylee who was our guest on what was it episode four um oh, the happy yeah. diet she just did the backyard ultra but it was like the Highlander so it's like if you don't if you don't finish if you don't win basically your a DNF did not finish um and she did so it was on the hour every hour you have to run like a four point something 
mile loop and she just loved it and I think that's I'd love to try something like that one day but I feel at Loch Ness 24 these kind of 24 events you can basically start your loop when you want to start your loop rather than yeah you know if you get back at 58 minutes you've got two minutes to pee and (laughs) shove a banana in I think she said she ate like seven bananas in the like 12 hours she was going (laughs) (laughs) maybe that that is what it is it's a superpower eating that many bananas I tried this yesterday I was starving when I came home from work but I knew I had to get out and do my run and off I went but I was starving so I thought I'm gonna eat a banana before I go so I like got in from work ate my banana got changed and then went out and I don't know if it was the heat or the fact that I'd eaten before I ran because I don't normally do that but I felt awful yesterday and I was like what am I doing why have I signed up to this and I was like right I'm not gonna let it get to me Mm-hmm. I've said all the mean things while I've been out running to myself and I'm just going to crack on. Like tomorrow is a new day. I'm definitely a better runner in the morning. You f- you find your stride, like what, what works for you. So I've started my Yorkshire Marathon training officially. I'm quite excited now because I think I had Race to the Stones in my mind as a bit of a hurdle to get by and the holiday. And now that it's by, like the same as you, we don't really have much planned It'll be quite nice just to get into a routine. So I'll keep these updated on my Yorkshire Marathon. I'm quite excited to go there. Should we jump to our guest? I think we absolutely should. This week, we have the pleasure of welcoming Ben Turner, aka The Adventure Coach. We're going to delve into Ben's relationship with adventure and find out what inspires him to take on the epic adventures and challenges that he does. As well as training hard for his own challenges, Ben coaches regular people to do extraordinary things giving them the skills and the confidence to go and succeed. I love Ben's straight-talking stories and he regularly has me questioning what it is that's holding me back from achieving the things I want to achieve. I'm delighted to welcome Ben Turner. Hi. Thank you. Welcome, Ben, to the Adventure Blather. Thank you. So for anyone who doesn't follow you, obviously, at the minute, give us a little bit brief about what it is that you do as the Adventure Coach and what kind of led you to finding your like amazing job okay i call myself the adventure coach it's a really cool job title and it kind of just fell on me once upon a time i coach people and the people that are kind of attracted to me in a coaching perspective are people who just generally vibe with the fact that i do adventurous stuff i am coaching people through their health fitness developing mental resilience and basically just having a bit more of an adventure in life quote unquote and helping people i I guess connect a bit more to nature the world around them because i've had quite a lot of that exposure in my life and it's kind of saved me a few times and it's it's been a very pivotal part of my life and i know the value that you can get from it and i know exactly what you need to do in order to develop that yourself a lot of it comes down to competence versus confidence and that's how i've then kind of structured my coaching to help people do that so as much as i have the strap line of um, ordinary people doing extraordinary things at the end of the day it's people who vibe with just doing more adventurous stuff like yourself Hannah you know you're always you're always out doing wild swimming and cool adventurous stuff like you're the kind of person that vibes with adventurous things right so that's the kind of people that I attract into the adventure coach I have seen that you are a little bit of a wild dipper yourself love it love a good wild swim <laughs> I saw some of the places you did in Glencoe and I was like I need to go and find these places <laughs> I, I'd literally anyone I see while swimming I do stalk them like horrendously to find out where they are <laughs> that's how that's how we became friends yeah, ran, random day in January, like, going to the lakes, fancy a swim. That seems to be a good success story from stalking, so that's good. Always meet strangers from the internet. And accept, accept sweets from strangers as well. Yeah. <laughs> yes, go and see the puppies in the back of that van. <laughs> yeah. What's your previous, Ben? What 
put you onto the adventure coach lifestyle? Oh, there we go. Now, there's a long story. So I'm going to try and wrap this up without going on the typical Ben Turner tangent, which I love to do. Okay, so once upon a time, I was a short, fat kid at school and didn't really have much in the way of confidence. Always hung around with like the emo kids and the nerd kids. That was me. I would steer far away from football and rugby and stuff. And I was always out just doing other things. I had my SAS survival book and I had my Ray Mears bushcraft book, which I've got over there, which is literally... 20 years old, published in 20, uh, 2001, and has now been signed by Ramirez. I'm very, very happy about that. Oh, that's amazing. And I'd be running around, you know, I grew up in relatively central-ish Shropshire. I'd be running around the woods. I was miles away from any parties and stuff. And my dad's kind of trump card, which he played incredibly well, was if you want to go to parties, then you've got to cycle there. And it was 12 miles down a busy road. I'm not going to do that. So I would run around the woods, make shelters, take the dog and just kind of that was kind of me. Then I kind of branched out into doing like, you know, army cadets and scouts and all that sort of thing. And that's kind of where I found a bit more of a love for things like climbing and mountaineering and that sort of stuff and kind of got a bit of a fixation on it. Fast forward to sixth form, hung around with the wrong people like all kids generally do. Um, dropped out of sixth form, became a chef randomly. I'm going to use the term chef likely. I'm going to kind of replace it with cook and then join the army to do nothing to do with catering at all. So spent seven years in the army and spent more time pursuing adventure training qualifications like mountain leader, climbing instructor, alpine mountain leader, um, canoeing, kayaking, sea kayaking, instructing, caving leader and all that sort of other bits and pieces and got quite highly qualified. Then got to the point where I was quite sought after for a lot of the army's global expeditions because of the qualifications that I held. And because it takes a while to get all that experience together and then some of those qualifications, and because I basically used and abused my job role a lot to get out and do more things, uh, meant that, you know, I could go to the Himalayas, I could go to South Africa, go to Tajikistan, go to the Alps, go to the jungle and do all these kind of things. And if I'm not leading the expedition, then I'm there as one of the qualified individuals, which means, A, you get paid more money, which was fantastic. And B, you have more weight to be able to leave work to go and do those expeditions and just absolutely fell in love with it. And when I left the army, I thought, well, I need to do more of that. And in fact, it's incredibly difficult to do that, you know, without spending tons of money as a civilian. So figured out, right, there needs to be a way that I can do this. So worked as a mountain guide up in Scotland, did some bits and pieces in Fort William, did some pieces on the, on the Isle of Skye, worked at an indoor ice climbing centre in Kinloch Leven, did some rock climbing instructing and some other bits and pieces and thought, that's actually quite fun. And a lot of the clients needed to know how to just get, you know, a bit more physically able to be able to make the most of their long weekend or their week with their guide. And whether that was kind of sharp end guides where you're going off climbing or going to like Tower Ridge on the bend, things like that, you know, people want to know how to like build their fitness. So ah, that's interesting. I know a lot about fitness. I could do some of that. And concurrently, I was kind of going through various challenges and stuff. I like to do these big physical challenges. So concurrently, I wanted to celebrate leaving the army by doing something big. Um, so I decided to bike pack all the way around Iceland. So did three and a half thousand kilometers over 28 days, uh, which was to this day, uh, that, that month to this day had the best experience of my entire life. It was phenomenal. And then thought, all oh, right, I wonder what else I can do. So I, while I was in the army, I was doing like ultra marathons with a 25 kilo rucksack on for training and stuff. And I was like, well, I've never actually technically run a race before so i'll have a go at that so we did the glencoe sky race and that was good fun 
Um, that was the year that Killian Jornet turned up and dominated, and I was nowhere near his time. Um, but it was nice to to name drop and, and make make myself sound famous, but I'm not. <laughs> uh, I did the Glencoe Sky Race, and I thought oh, that's fun. I wonder what I can do next. So I decided to climb a 20 foot gym rope 731 times to get to the cumulative height of the Three Peaks Challenge. That was a terrible life choice because I've never been so stiff and sore in my entire life the next day. And then did 16 marathons, 16 days in 16 national parks to launch the London National Park City. Then went to Iceland, which is when I left the army. And then built up to running, trying to run the Cape Wrath Trail. Thanks, COVID, for putting a stopper on that one. Uh, that's now happening this year. So sort of concurrently to doing all that guiding and bits and pieces, I was trying to do all these challenges and figure out, you know, what I'm, what, what the heck am I doing? Because when you leave something as institutionalized as the army and you 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 become a civilian, there's no rules really. I mean, you know, don't get put in jail, but there's no there's no one there to say you need to get up at this time, you need to do training at this time, you need to turn to work at this time. You can do anything. It's weird. It's a very strange thing. It's like a being. It's like a it's like an excited spaniel being let off the lead. So I struggled to figure out how to do stuff. So I did a lot of stuff in the Alps. Um, basically, had a bit of a gap year living in the back of my car. And then upgrading to a van and then upgrading to an eccentric multi-millionaire's mansion on the west coast of Scotland. I had the best year of my life. It was phenomenal. And slowly but surely pieced together how on earth to run a business. And that's gone through at least five different iterations from, you know, trying to create a adventure trail running business um to then doing nutrition coaching to then doing physical training coaching to then merging them together to then doing outdoor fitness to then doing the adventure coach so it, it's kind of gone through so many metamorphoses to now get to where it is now and i feel like where i'm now is is a really nice stride actually to just genuinely helping people in what i feel like is the best way that i know how and you know my clients are all phenomenal people just doing really really cool things you know these are just normal people like i'm a normal person i'm relatively normal and <laughs> you know these people just want to do something more they, they're always thinking that actually there's something more i could do in life or you know i feel like i haven't quite not necessarily i have untapped potential but there's more of an adventure to be having had in life i think is kind of the common denominator and then i coach them to bring out you know what their best is and through physical training through nutrition coaching but mostly through developing their mindset through mental resilience through challenging what they're going through at the moment to bring about what was so eloquently put the other day by one of my clients essentially taking who they are on the trail the best version of themselves out there doing cool things and applying that to them in the office at work on monday morning so that's kind of where the adventure coach bridges that gap if that makes sense Absolutely. emily and i we're, we're much nicer people when we're like out doing things 100. It's a shame we we haven't got to that point where we can take that back to the office yet. It's like, I just feel like a caged beast on a Monday morning. <laughs> just, I've got a question just about when you're talking about your clients and things. I know you're saying like they're they're really pushing themselves, but is it, do, to work with you, are, are you talking about you always need to do something extraordinary or is it is it more just pushing that person outside their comfort zone rather than it has to be, you know, something crazy? Okay, so two different types of people are going to come my way. You're going to get two types of knock on the door, as it were. Uh, number one knock on the door is someone that says, I feel like you're the guy that can help me. I just don't really know what I'm doing. Like, okay, cool. Let's sit down and have a chat. You got anything like, what are the goals that we're aiming for? Like, who, who is it? The first question I'll ask is, who is it you're trying to become? Like, what is that version? Describe that person as much depth as possible. How do they talk about themselves? What do they do with their time? How do they, how are they working? How are they operating with people? Like, go. Describe that person as intimately as possible. And they'll go, okay, well, you know, I want to, 
I just feel like I can do more. I feel like I can, I just want to be able to do this. I want to be able to competently go on wild camp or I want to be able to go and climb a hill at the weekend with the kids or the dog or the whatever. So you'll have person number one who doesn't really have a goal, but they're looking for a feeling and they're trying to become what I call adventure ready, you know, ready for the opportunity. And I have an ethos that people, I want to bring people to the point where they're always 10 weeks out from something, 10 weeks out from hey, Hannah, should we go and do the, the the National Three Peaks Challenge? And you're like, yeah, damn right, let's go. Give me 10 weeks of training and I'm good to go. Or, hey, do you want to run a marathon? Yeah, absolutely. 10 weeks out, I'm good to go. You know, will that marathon be a tough day? Well, yeah, probably. Will the Three Peaks be a tough 24 hours? Yes, probably. But you want to be 24 hours out, uh, sorry, 10 weeks out from that, from that ability to do something. So group one of people are looking for a feeling. They're looking for a general life change. Group number two, do knock on the door hey ben next year i'm running this specific sky race in austria and it's on this date and i need to get 12 months out of training i need to understand how to get to very this very specific goal so i do two types of program one adventure readiness for group number one getting you to a point of readiness for whatever opportunity presents itself to you because there's nothing worse than having that opportunity presenting and being like there's no way on earth i could do that yeah. and then group number two they have adventure performance okay we're, we're ready for stuff but actually now we've got something specific to aim for so you know one of my clients for example is aiming to do the uh welsh 3000s in october great well we're programming specifically to get them to the welsh 3000s on the other side i've got another client who at some point wants to be able to run up a mountain vague goal i know but we want to get him to the point where he is losing weight he is feeling phenomenal in his head he's doing consistent activity to build his body and generally feel more capable and every single time he takes the dog for a walk up his local hill he's feeling stronger and more confident so you've got two different types of people and both merge together in the middle i think quite often those people that you you sort of getting adventure ready it becomes addictive and suddenly they're probably the ones that will quietly start going, I'm going to go and tackle that. I'm going to go and tackle that. And before you know it, they're kind of catching up with the people that are already wild and out there going, I want to do this. That is where we get to a point where coming on to something I mentioned earlier, competence versus confidence, the adventure ready team, the people who are looking for a feeling they're looking, they, they see inspiring people going out and doing wild swims and going up mountains or climbing things and doing stuff. And they're like, oh, I'm inspired. I want to do something like that. I vibe with what you're doing in life and what your message and your ethos is. Teach me the way. And what they're trying to do there is highlight the fact that they are incompetent and low in confidence. So what we're looking for here is to build competence in that specific adventure environment so that there is in turn confidence for them to go out and do it and i think it's incredibly important that competence is built first because with competence your ability to actually do things confidence comes out in the wash everybody is trying to find confidence first and they're reading all of these health help self-help books and all these bits and pieces on how to be more confident but if there's still a deficit in competence, in actual skill set, that confidence will take an awful long time to brew up and it won't be as potent as if we get the skill set first. Absolutely. I mean, you do get a lot of people, you know, for over the years, I've heard people say, and I've probably said it myself at one point, you know, I don't want to go to the gym until I've lost weight because I don't feel confident. So you're sort of waiting for one the other but actually probably going to the gym will help you lose weight and therefore your confidence will grow it's it's that side of things I suppose thinking as well like with lockdown I mean I know it's been a few years but do you find that you're getting a lot of clients that are really wanting to push themselves you know live life to the fullest 
feel like I'm coming across a lot more people that feel like they have missed out on certain things. Mm -hmm. I think I don't feel that lockdown and people listening can correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I have seen, I don't feel like lockdown has been something that has then spurred people on to push themselves to the utmost level and do amazing things. Honestly, I think lockdowns knocked a lot of people for six and then they've turned around and seen people doing these amazing things and pushing themselves as hard as they can. And they think, I wonder if I could just do something. You know, I've never considered going for a gravel bike ride before, but you know what? I might try it. Or, you know, I saw somebody go to a bike park the other day and actually I, I, I know I can go there and hire a bike, for example. So I might go and give that a go. You know, that's not necessarily pushing themselves to the absolute extreme and, you know, pulling a pulk to the South Pole, but it is pushing their comfort zone just the tiniest bit because i think what's happened with covid is it's taken our comfort zone and made it really small and i have an ethos that you know if you're going to push your comfort zone do it by one percent every day just do something better not instead of going massive and and huge where there is zero evidence base of proof that you can achieve that just push it a little bit and then a little bit more 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 and i feel like what what lockdown has done is kind of compressed everyone's comfort zones and their confidence to the point now where they feel almost ashamed to admit that actually they're going to have to humble themselves and start at a lot lower a level than they might want to in their head so when we do come to that and we're having those conversations and you turn around and say look you know i, I want to i need to reassess how to run 5k or actually i want to be able to do a, an ultra marathon but i can't run 10 miles yet you know you've got to look at that and go right cool amazing so let's find the best trail 10 miler that we can possibly find and let's build you up to that and then what i like to do is get involved with what my clients are doing you like, do you want company on that day because i'll come with you and that sounds fantastic let's do it and all of a sudden that person's like so i've got so there's a goal i can do which this guy believes that I can do and we can get the plan and he's going to keep me accountable and I'm pretty motivated. Oh, and he's, he's, he's either going to come with me or meet me on the start line. Like I feel so protected, which I feel people need a lot more of now that I feel like I can definitely do it. Whereas for people who don't have that level of service, if you kind of go trail 10 miler on Saturday, see you later. And they're like, I'm probably not going to do that. You know, some people will, of course, absolutely. But there's more of an excuse to not do something. And I think it's made, I think it's made the psychological environment a lot more delicate post lockdown. And don't get me wrong, I do think people sit on that a bit too much and haven't necessarily had the push that would have worked pre lockdown. But it's also giving people the opportunity to think maybe I could do something more, but they might need help to get there. You know? Yeah, I mean, from what what you're talking about as well, I think you're coaching like you say the mental resilience and things but you're actually you're believing in your client which I think sometimes that's what people really need because I mean I've got I run uh, you know run wild swim same as Hannah and there's some, some of my family have never done either of those things or some of my friends haven't you know and sometimes you're telling them things they kind of go really like you were never sporty and you think yeah you're thinking of me as like 13 year old Emily you know I've not been 13 for like five years so it's fine but you know it's it's speaking to people and finding a community finding a coach finding some like a group that actually believe in you can actually help you so much which I think is amazing with us like the online community and what obviously what you're doing um as well is is you're building people up to give them that belief that they're you know they're capable I think a super important thing with that as well is 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 
seeing people in real life and I'm, I'm very conscious of not being one of these coaches that's that you know I don't live in Dubai I'm not making like it's not a multiple seven figure business and I'm not driving a Bugatti Veyron and living the high life completely disconnected from my clients you know we do multiple meetups per year and I make a point of just getting around the country to go and see people because I feel like if you have that connection with people then you know they feel like they're part of something a little bit more and I think you're right you know I'm I'm doing the Ultra Trail Snowdonia 50k next year. Um, I thought so I'll book onto that because um, it looks like a really fun race. And turns out that one of my clients booked the 25k, and I was like, ah, I'll see you there. And they were like, oh, really? Are you doing it? I was like, I'm doing the 50k, and then they're doing 25k. And then we put it onto our, um, we've got like a coaching app, community app thing, and uh, put it on there. But like, anyone fancy joining, you know, you got a 25k option. I'm going to be in the 50, so I'm going to be pretty much engaged for the rest of the day. But for people who want to do the 25, you know, we've got this person doing it. Does anyone else fancy it? And within within that day, we've got like nine people signed up. So the adventure coach taking over Ultra Trail Snowdonia, which is going to be <laughs> phenomenal. Because I'm going to get everyone kitted out in like t-shirts and and shorts and really cool stuff, obviously, because that's going to be great. And you're going to have like a package of stuff, so you feel like you're belonging. But you're going to get like nine or ten people descending on this one race. Don't get me wrong. Some people are, have already said, I'm going to be the slowest person there because I'm going to walk the hills. And it's it's fine. It doesn't matter. But it gives them something to aim for. Because in 10 months time, when they go, you know, and it's May or whatever 10 months time is, you know, it's May and they're going and doing the race, then you're going to have some people who are going there. I'm personally going there to like, I want to gun it and just see what can happen. Other people are going there to just finish it. And then we're all going to go for pizza after. So I think, you know, the fact that people are signing up to that, says to me that they want to stick with me for another 10 months, which is phenomenal. But also they're part of a community that's like, that doesn't question their sanity when they say, I'm going to do something. It's like you said there, you know, loads of people, loads of people say to me, like, are you, are you, are you okay? Or are you broken? <laughs> it's like, well. I do that to Emily a lot too. Like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. It's great. This is just, this is just my level of confidence and competence zone. You know, and it's taken years to get to this point. And that's fine because it's it'll do one of two things. And I think the first one's going to be quite punchy. But when people go out and do cool things and people see it and they try and, you know, they're trying to negatively influence that and maybe kind of tear down their kind of like pedestal a wee bit. I feel like it's highlighting the inadequacies of that person's life. The other option, which is less punchy, is that person just isn't on the same path. And that's cool. You know, people are genuinely, people are happy doing the jobs that they're doing. That's absolutely fine. Doing the thing that they're doing, that's absolutely fine. If they're happy and content, then more power to them because that's phenomenal. They're just not on the same path and that's cool. So what we need to do is highlight that this is what we want to do and that's great. And then find the community of people that will look at that and go, hey, you want to do 50K? You want to do 25K? Awesome, see you there. Next. Yeah. Whoa. And it's like you said, like having that unshakable confidence and belief in people to say, can I get there? And I'm not afraid to say it's it's going to be a push to get you there in that time. I'm going to be honest. I feel like we need to be looking at expectation management. Otherwise, people are going to be like, can I free solo the north face of Everest? And it's like, well, probably not. You know, so you're looking at you're looking at expectation management there. But when somebody says, look, I really want to be able to run this 10 mile and you're like, damn well, damn well you can. And I think if we do it in 10 weeks, we're doing 12 weeks, we're doing 18 weeks, whatever it is, phenomenal. And we'll get people there to greet you over the over the finish line. And um, um, we're in your corner. It's the tag team of of you know Mickey and Apollo in your in Rocky's corner. 
to have those people who are consistently there for you all the time. So that when you do come up with an idea to do something, you don't get met with, why would you want to do that? You get met with, cool, you want the plan together? Let's rock and roll. What is the wildest, craziest challenge that someone's come to you with? Well, it probably wasn't crazy in your eyes because I've seen some of the challenges you've done. <laughs> well, while you're thinking of that, Hannah, do you have FOMO over the Snowdonia thing with pizza at the end? Because now I do. I knew fine well you'd be booked on this. I'm like 50k Snowdonia. That sounds right up my street. <laughs> do, it, do it, do it, do it. Okay, I think mm, the wildest thing. See, every single one of them, I, I just look at and go, "I'm in. Let's go." So I think I want to introduce. I, if I could get a, if I could get a T-shirt that says "Let me introduce you to Claire," I say this all the bloody time. So Claire is was one of my clients for two and a half years and is now my head of um, performance, physical performance in the adventure coach. So I've hired her as as my as one of my coaches to work with my clients. And um, Claire's phenomenal. So Claire, she's sixty one years old. Claire has completed running. Um, she's overcome cancer. She has retired from a full-time job as a head teacher. When we first met, we trained her up to do a 56-kilometer ultramarathon across a mountain range called the Grossglockner uh, mountain range in Austria. And then she finished that, and then a week later says, I want to do another one. So she booked something called the Hot Königmann, which is another Austrian alpine ultramarathon, which was 86 kilometers that we both did together this year. And this person is unstoppable. She did every single thing that I programmed for her to the T by the book and just just keeps progressing and progressing and progressing. She's unstoppable. She's 61 and was having like varicose veins. Like I want to meet Claire. And, you know, <laughs> she was like, oh, I'm just in hospital at the moment. You're like, Why? Oh, varicose vein surgery. I should be back running in three weeks. You're like, are you? And then she would send me a picture being like, oh, I've got a shiner today. And you're like, how? Oh, I was running up this hill and I tripped and face planted a log, two black eyes, which is quite a serious thing when you have two black eyes, by the way, and then ran 5k to go home. And you're like, are you all right? Like, like genuinely for your well-being and health, are you okay? Do you need to go to hospital? And she's like, no, no, it's all good. And then she'll go for a recovery week and go for a week's windsailing with her um, windsurfing, not windsailing, windsurfing um, with her husband, because that's like, that's like his thing. And they'll just crack on. And you're like, this is, I love it. This is brilliant. I'm in for that. And I'm in for people who are just mental. And some... You're welcome. A, welcome to us. It's great. <laughs> you know, I had a previous client who was, who did these races where it's kind of, it's not really a race. It's kind of, um, you have to run as far as you can in a given timeline. So there was one that was like a fall, a nuclear fallout race. And basically the start of the race was a nuclear power plant that exploded. And you, you've got to race the nuclear fallout cloud, which basically means going from this point on the map, you've got to run as far as you possibly can in any direction. There is no finish line in 24 hours and you get like a GPS tracker. And you know, that sounds right up your street. Oh, Emily. I what did something, Ben, it was like a run the wings or something and it was like the chaser car is chasing you and i Perfect. just thought it was the best thing i've ever done it was just so fun <laughs> well the thing is like you can plan your own route and you can go to town on it and you can really strategically look at like okay 24 hours can i get 150 miles away yes probably that's as far as i can go or you're thinking right 
I can't go any further south because the sea is there and clearly I can't run on the sea. But the thing with Charlie when he when we were working together was he just wanted to run home. So he was just starting at, um, there was an escape from Meriden. Mer- Meriden? Yes. Escape from Meriden, which is a prison between Birmingham and Coventry. And you're in a, a orange jumpsuit and that's <laughs> like how you start it. So you've got like a hundred people running omnidirectionally in orange jumpsuits across the country, starting at midnight, looking very suspect. Yes. And he was like, well, I'm going to stay off roads. So I want to like do as much trails as possible. And I'm just going to run home, which just so happened to be like, I think 90 miles or something to the Southwest. And uh, yeah, he, he ran home in 24 hours and you're like, that's just strange. And we had like, um, I did a challenge series in, January as a thing of like forget new year new me let's do new year new thing new adventure just go do something new it could be literally anything you could learn Spanish if you wanted to learn Spanish or you could just do something mental and this same person was like well there's a stream like Ford River Ford thing outside his house so we ran the five miles to that Ford and then did 10 crossings of the Ford in the depths of winter in January with water up to his chest and then did some push-ups either side and just videoed it and you're like that isn't normal. <laughs> it's people like that that just think outside the box. And at the end of the day, what is it? It's a story you can tell around a pub. And it's just something different. And it's something that inspired him and motivated him and drove him yeah. to do some training and progression. And that is exactly what life's all about. Because you don't need to necessarily go to the gym and just do the sets and reps to get dench. You're just going out and doing cool things because that's, that's what it's all about, you know? Yeah. I love how you just describe like these, you know, epic challenges, like really cool things. I just, it just makes it like sound so normal and almost like in reach for people like myself or I just, yeah. Yeah. And the the fact that like you can make your own sort of challenge in a way, I think sometimes we're all programmed to be like, oh, you know, what race is coming up that I can enter or a swim event I can enter, whereas you know you're talking about like you think outside the box whether it's something that's organized or something you're like I just want to be able to do this run up the mountain or I want to run three mountains in a week or something you know that's quite yes it's it's quite inspirational to go go and do that but you're right there'll be like two sets of people one set will go are you mental that's weird that person's addicted that's that's not that's not right and the other group were like you're awesome (laughs) <laughs> you know and might inspire something so mm-hmm. oh, fantastic <laughs> i think the more you what advice would you give to to someone kind of just starting out? Oh, i'll use myself as, as an example i've signed up to the loch ness 24 well team cult whatever you want to call it because i had massive fomo and i've got a month to train as much as i can sensibly without breaking myself and run seven kilometer loops as many as I can in 24 hours with a team who are all ultra marathon runners Mm -hmm. (laughs) what would your advice to me be on starting out and kind of not losing faith in myself because obviously the first couple of weeks are always going to be the hardest and it's how do you how do you get past that how do you push yourself to to get past the hard weeks and stick at it Mm, love that great question I think when it comes to, I was thinking about this this morning, actually, something very similar to this. When it comes to changing or starting anything, we, we, we've got to change state, right? So so where you're at now is your comfort zone. And for you to do more training, for you to aim for something new, 
you're going to have to change that state of where you're at. Human beings don't like change. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the work of Professor Steve Peters with the uh, chimp paradox. You know, if we have an internal chimp, we have an internal computer and we have an internal human. Well, the internal chimp is the one that has the loudest voice that shouts and screams at us. And, and that's our knee jerk reaction, fight, flight, freeze and the rest of it. It's very good for us, but it also kind of keeps us in our comfort zone. And that's the sort of thing that when the alarm goes off at five o'clock in the morning is going to keep you in your warm, cozy bed rather than thinking, come on, we're, we're disciplined. We have to get up and do this. So when we go through elements of change, you're fighting your inner chimp to simplify this process. You're fighting that because you're like, why am I doing this? And that'll be the first question you're like, why am I doing this? I can't really be bothered to do this. This is not what I want to do. I want to stay in bed. I'll try again tomorrow. That is the thought process that a lot of people are going to go through. Now, you've booked onto something because you wanted to do it. My question, my initial sort of list of questions to you would be, well, why did you get FOMO? And why did you book it in the first place? Because as soon as you understand the answers to those questions, you're going to figure out what the point is of you even starting in the first place. Because to use a, co a quote from Conor McGregor, I'm a guilty Conor McGregor fan, um, you cannot truly commit to something that you're not passionate about. So like you were saying there about, you know, we're always finding the next race and the next thing to do. Well, the UTS for me is one of the three organized races that I've done in my entire life because I don't like paying for races. I'll just go and do it. I'll just go and do the route on Monday if I need to. But the thing is, you've got to understand, are you actually genuinely passionate about doing the thing that you want to do? Because then if you are, if the answer is yes, you will commit to doing it. Now, here's the difficult part. If you've got to commit to doing it and the answer is yes, and you're good to go and you're there because this is the type of person that you are and this is the type of person you believe you can be, you then need to start to steal a quote from Alex Hormozzi, building the stack of undeniable proof that you are who you say you are. Now, I changed that quote to building the stack of undeniable proof to uh, stack of undeniable proof that you are who you say you can be. Because as you start to build that stack of proof, what a lot of people do is they see a goal and they put their goal posts really, really high. The benchmark is high. What I suggest people do is bring it low enough so that they can achieve stuff. Because when we talk about Kate Rath and stuff later on, well, that's a 230 mile run. If I go from zero to a 230 mile run, that's an awful long way to commit. Think of it as an Olympic athlete. Four years to train for the Olympics, okay? Four years is a long time for anyone to do anything. And in that four years, people have to do other little competitions, benchmark workouts, European championships, all the rest of it, whatever, because they have to lower those benchmarks to the point where they can actually achieve them to build that stack of undeniable proof. So for people like you who are going for the Loch Ness 24 and you're doing 7K loops over and over again, well, what's the first benchmark? Can you run a 7K loop? Yes or no? If the answer is yes, awesome. If the answer is no, that's your first benchmark. If the answer is yes, good. Go out and do it on a similar terrain. You've ticked the box. You know you can do one. That's a brilliant place to be. Let's see how long it takes you. Okay, so 7K. Let's say that that takes, for argument's sake, 45 minutes. And you're like, okay, cool. How much rest am I going to need to be able to do it again? So your next benchmark is going to be doing it two or three times. Then maybe your long run is doing that 7K loop five times eventually. Do you need to go any more than five times? Honestly, probably not. In the time that you've got, probably not. Because there's no point absolutely battering yourself with tons and tons of volume. Because you just, you frankly haven't got time for it. The key thing here is you need to build this thing and make sure that your mental resilience is there. And you need to get used to training on tired legs and in a tired state. 
you don't need to run miles and miles and miles to make yourself tired. You can just get up early or you can run late if you're a late kind of person or, you know, you can go for a run after a busy day at work because that's building mental resilience that you can do it at the point where you least want to do it. Because I guarantee in that 24 hours, you'll get to a point where you think this sucks and I really don't want to do it. And if you didn't have anyone else around you, you'd be more likely to quit. So you've got to lean onto that and think, well, actually, in my stack of undeniable proof, I've done this when I least wanted to. You know, I was tired. All I wanted to do was sit and watch Netflix and have a nap. And I was hungry. I wanted my dinner. But you know what? I went out and did two laps of a 7K loop. And I, I did it. It wasn't very pleasant. I didn't enjoy my life at the time. But you know what? I've done it. You've ticked the mental resilience box and you shut the inner chimp up. So when it comes to doing things, we need to make sure that we can lower our expectations enough to be able to achieve something without going too far ahead in the future and then making the goal feel like it's so far away that we don't do anything. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I was, we were discussing it briefly and saying, like, I'm actually a better runner in the morning. I can quite easily set the 5.30 alarm and get up and do it. But coming home from work when I'm hungry and tired, I went yesterday. I was supposed to do 7K yesterday. I did 6.2, I think. It was hot and I was struggling. But I thought, well, I've, I've still been... I'm not going to go and run past my house down the street for the extra half a K that I need to do. I was like, I'm going to call it quits while I feel okay. And I'll try again tomorrow. So. And how you act when you least want to do something is where you will get the maximum return on that performance. Because are you going to be running world records every single one of those seven K? No, you you'll be able to run for 24 hours. Any human being can run for 24 hours, but there's one thing that's going to give out first, and that's the mind. So the more you can drill in the most miserable state going out and doing stuff, the better the return on your investment of time per se you're going to have of your training. So because you're quite strapped for time, the more you can do it at a point where you just don't want to do it, the more you're going to harden in your mind the fact that you can do it and you are who you say you can be, you know? Yeah. I like that. I know. Well, I am going to be who I say I can be. Do you know it's those those same um, tough runs that make you? I think there's moments I've had in events or just general running, and you go, "This is awful." But I remember that other time that it was really awful, <laughs> and I got through that. So you know, and I think it's just the realism of, like you say, Ben. Not every loop is going to be fantastic. Some will be great. Some will be pants <laughs> you know it'll, it'll, something will not be timed right and you'll not feel great or you're just feeling sluggish but it's something it's just a moment that passes doesn't feel like it at the time but it definitely will um you touched on Kate Rath I think we have to talk about it now <laughs> so definitely. hell is obviously <laughs> if you know people are listening um Kate Rath is it's quite a famous ultra marathon event um but you're doing it on your own so can you give us a bit of a background because i know it's been put off for a wee bit as well so talk away i think this is a fantastic time to sort of segue back to when you were saying about making your own adventures like when i've had clients and people and whatever who are just creating their own adventures well quite frankly i'm not paying thousands of pounds to go and run a race that's i'm just not doing that that's ridiculous so it's crazy yes it is crazy I used to live in Fort William, right at the base of the Cape Wrath Trail. Scotland is my homeland, like the Highlands I know better than I know where I grew up. I used to go on holiday there multiple times every single year because it was the cheap destination for holiday. I've lived up there for a good few years before I had to move down to Shropshire. 
I know that place well, and I've guided in the mountains so much. So to me, it's just the best place in the world, right? So I saw I saw the Cape Bath Trail. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, twenty percent of it's devoid of trail altogether, and the rest of it's in like crossing Noidart, the most remote wilderness of the UK, and you're going into the arse end of nowhere. And then you, to, to add insult to injury, you get it. You get to Cape Wrath itself. And then you've either got a 13 mile run slash walk to get to the boat to get to the, you know, to get to the nearest road where you can take the minibus that only does that 13 miles back and forth from the lighthouse to the boat. Then you've got to time the boat to then get across the water, which could be cut off because of the wind to then get to the nearest road to get a bus to get home. So it's very, very remote. And I looked at it and thought, hmm, I wonder if you could run the whole thing. And you said that it's been put off for a while. It has. So I was ready to go. I was mentally the strongest I've ever been in 2020 prior to lockdown. Um, I'm pretty sure it was like Friday, March the 28th at about 8 p.m. that I was going to be running from Fort William where I lived to Glasgow. I was going to run the West Highland Way. I was going to do it in... I was going to start at midnight, sort of Friday night, Saturday morning, and then run all the way to Saturday dinner time. Meet my friend in Glasgow, go and have a disgusting amount of burgers, call into the Hilton on the way back, have a uh, massage, jump in the hot tub, go home the next day and rest up for two weeks and then go for Easter weekend. I was ready to rock and roll. And at 8 p.m. that night, as I'm packing my bag, Bojo gets onto the uh, com- uh, not onto the computer, onto the TV, onto the computer, uh, onto the TV and says, we're in national lockdown. And you're like, oh, behave. Because uh, I thought the whole thing at the time, I was like, oh, it's just this, it's just a cold, you know, it's nothing. Well, it's just going to be a lockdown for the weekend. Come on, we're all just being hypochondriacs here. And I'm like, what if I just get away with it anyway? Like, who's going to care? And it just so happened to be the same sort of day slash week that New Zealand was in lockdown. And there was a guy in New Zealand that was like, we're only allowed out once a day. So I went out and did a 380 kilometer bike ride. And he went through like seven different towns and everyone just shredded him on socials. And I was like, okay, I'm not <laughs> famous in any way, shape or form, but I just can't be bothered with that kind of stress. I don't want to upset people. Um, so I was like, oh, okay. And and obviously it ended up being locked down for an awful long time. So I went from training hundreds and hundreds of miles and just doing tons and tons of stuff and tons of volume all the way through the winter to doing nothing and spent literally the first week of lockdown watching all of the Lord of the Rings director's special edition cut because I'm a massive nerd, all of the Hobbits. Uh, I'm pretty sure we rewatched Prison Break, rewatched Lie to Me, uh, House, Guilty Pleasure of House, and just TV and ate bread. And that was it for a week. Stayed in bed, slept for like 12 hours a night. It was sensational. And then just kind of had all this like stress and volume that I'm building up to and just shut down for a week. And I was like, now I'm getting itchy, you know, I, I need to do stuff. So very, very fortunate to be in Fort William for lockdown because it felt like nothing had happened. And it was beautiful, sunny weather. And you're out in the back garden on the turbo train on the bike and you've got Ben Nevis there. And you're like, this is sensational. Like, what a, what a time to be alive. And it was actually exactly what I needed because that's also when I was studying my nutrition qualifications. Um, so I was doing I was doing a course in advanced nutritional science. And they were like, oh, you know, you can get away with like, six to eight hours of study per week well i'm quite a slow learner so i was doing six to eight hours of study per day seven days a week and it was brilliant because i could just devote loads of time to just doing stuff that i didn't i forgot about cape wrath because i knew it wasn't going to happen for a long time so just dedicate myself to that which was great and then thought i'll do it after lockdown well 
ended up losing accommodation, losing jobs during lockdown, which was a bit rubbish. So as soon as the roads were open to be able to leave, I then moved and had to move to Shrewsbury because I've got family down here and it was a relatively easy move. And then, you know, you spend all your money on moving. So then you've got to get a job and kind of enter that realm. And um, I ended up working as a crime intelligence analyst for the police, which sounds fun and very similar to what I used to do in the army, but was the most miserable job. Well, the second most miserable job I've ever had in my life because I have cleaned toilets in Morrison's before now. And <laughs> Sorry. That was fucking grim, man. That was the whole thing. Well, um, I've had to use like a, a supermarket toilet, you know, during your long run and God, the toilets are grim. <laughs> I've never worked with such inept human beings in my entire life. But um, yeah, worked in that. And I was like, this is horrendous. You know, I'm just wasting my life in an office. It was an hour and 45 minutes to commute there and then an hour and 45 minutes to commute back. And that was the best time of my day because I'm listening to podcasts and just filling my brain with as much stuff as possible listening to my headphones in work ignoring people not being social i was good at my job fine but i hated it and felt really miserable because then also that became the year of the fastest known time and i was like oh god this is miserable and everybody's setting records all over the place and i just went to a bit of a hole and then 2021 came around and i started a new business so i started an outdoor fitness business because i knew i needed to leave my job and work for myself that is the only way that ben can operate and dedicated life to that so from literally march after my birthday so i think it must have been like march 20th or maybe the beginning of april all the way to christmas day that year i did not have one single day off and i'm not saying that to be like hey look at me hustle 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 sell 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 i'm saying that because that was a huge mistake and i did like four between four and six outdoor fitness classes between two towns every single day six days a week and then the other day was like marketing and emails and everything else until Christmas, uh, when I completely burnt out and shut down. Um, so that all went wrong. So I didn't really have time to train, even though I was trying to train, um, thinking I could do it in 2021, but I was just knackered. And then 2022 comes around and tweak business. Um, and other priorities just happened. And here we are in 2023. So we are back to training, getting some mileage in. Uh, and I went up to Scotland to do a in my head, I was secretly just going to go and run the whole trail because I don't care who knows. I really don't. I'm not making a massive deal of it. I couldn't care less who knows or who doesn't know. I'm doing it just so that I can tick the box in my own head, which I think, again, is a very important message for people to absorb as well because nobody cares what you're doing. You need to be able to do these things for yourself. And I was like, I'm secretly just going to, if it all feels right and everything goes well, I'm just going. And then I'll tell everyone, hey, I've just done this thing. And I got there and it was great. And I started... Um, and not to go into too much detail, but my entire personal life at the moment has gone down the toilet. So I I deal with that with, and this is going to sound so extreme in American, and I apologize, but I deal with that by battering myself and just doing something hard. That's my way of dealing with stuff. Because the more hardship I go through, physically demanding hardship, the darker my head goes and the more I can deal with stuff. So I was having a conversation with one of my real thrusting clients, like somebody who is really pushing for absolute performance. And I say that there's two different types of personality in somebody. The one is the person that you want everyone to see. Hi, my name's Ben. You know, it's it's the, it's the nicer version of you. And then there's the other side. There's the dark side that comes out when you've just got stuff to do. And David Goggins, he, 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 
explains this so well. You've got David Goggins, and then you've got Goggins. And then Goggins comes out when there's dark matter to be dealt with. And I feel like everyone's got that somewhere. You know, you can be the most cheery person in the world, but when you go into enough of a physical stress, it's like X-Men, isn't it? And bringing out your mutation. You know, you're you're going to that point where something has to take over and that is your internal resilience. For me, the, the, three, peaks cha- the, the uh, three Peaks Rope Climb was a prime example of that because I just went into an absolute hole and you just get like genuinely just angry and you just deal with whatever it is that's in front of you. So I went to Scotland. I thought, let's just try and do this trail and just get it done. And I went out far too fast, smashed my overall pace that I should have been doing. So the plan went completely tits up, was within... 80 kilometers two and a half hours ahead of schedule and my legs just were done and um i was falling into bogs and just swearing at things and generally just getting very angry and my quads are just just dead and because i'd gone so fast and because i was really charging up hills i just gave nothing left and didn't eat very well and just didn't do it very textbook which is fine that's a lesson learned on my part but what it did was it it spat me out the other side at this uber remote buffy in the middle of Noidart with no people, no signal, no nothing. And that was the best place that I could have been because I just sat there on a beautiful sunny evening with Loch Nevis in front of me, no signal. I had a GPS tracker and I just said to my, I had people watching me and I just literally put the words because I'm, you know, you have to really like type out the words. So I just put, I'm done, um, see you tomorrow. And then turned it off. So my signal disappeared. So they probably were losing their minds thinking Ben's died. But um, I was completely disconnected from the world. And my legs were just like quivering and like muscles were twitching. And I'm like, I am very tired. And uh, I just sat there and just sorted my life out in my head with no other option but to sit there in silence because I had nothing else to do and no other signal and no other distraction. So in my race horse brain, which goes a million miles an hour, and I'm convinced I have a, 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 a... a mindset that works a hundred miles an hour quicker than the average person, not because I'm fantastic, but because I'm just impatient. And that sort of 48 hours that I was out, I I would suggest equated to like two weeks worth of just deep thinking and work. And I end out quite a lot of things that were going wrong in my life at the time. So it was the perfect thing that was that was there for it. And it also highlighted, look, I need to get stronger quads. I need to watch my pace. I, you know, I've got a cardio engine of a of an ox, which is great, but I need to get stronger legs. I need to make sure I can deal with this. There were a couple of kit issues. So it's a really, really, really valuable re- um, recce. And now we're back on to, to get it done later on this year. So Cape Wrath has been it's been a it's been an up and down relationship, let's say, for the last few years. But Again, it's one of those things that, yes, am I conscious that I've talked about it a lot over the years and I haven't done it? Yes. Do I also care whether people think that I'm capable of doing it or not? Not really, no. And ultimately, I'm just going to go and do it. And I don't know whether I'm going to tell anyone if I'm going to do it or not, just to relieve myself of that pressure. And the ultimate thing is it was due to be on the 29th of August because my life's gone down the toilet. Um that weekend is now no longer available because there's no one available to look after my dog. And I am going... I'll have the dog. <laughs> Let's throw it out there now. I'll have the dog. <laughs> it's going to get put to like September, October time. And part of me is also thinking that the Cape Wrath bunkhouse do something, they do like a... Um, there's people that live there and they run it and they, you know, they say you can just ring the bell and open the door 24-7 any time of day of the, of the week, which is any time of, time of day. 
which is phenomenal. And they do like a Christmas dinner, like UK's most remote Christmas dinner. And I'm kind of thinking in my head, could I run there for Christmas? I probably could. And the, the, the sort of dark part of my brain is thinking depths of winter, Scotland, arse end of nowhere, consistent bogs, wet, dark, cold. I'm mm. in for fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that sounds right up my street. So part of me is thinking that, but ultimately at some point in the next one to 90 days, Cape Wrath is getting done. Um whether it's the fastest known time or not, I don't care. I know in my head what I can aim for. The fastest known time has recently been broken to something rather competitive, which has taken about 20 hours off my buff buffer time. But um, but it makes it fun. You know, it makes it a bit more of a challenge. And in my head, I think that's exactly what I need. So kind of wrapping it up into what we were talking about before about making your own challenge. Well, the beauty is, you know, you don't necessarily have to enter a race and pay £2,000 or whatever it is for a race. You can do something called a fastest known time. You can go out into a trail in your back garden and find that there's no fastest known time to do the route from your house to your local hill and back. But you can register it as a fastest known time and make it official. And it will be listed on the fastest known time website as you being the athlete that has done the fastest known time for that particular route. I need to do that. <laughs> and you could have been the first to do it, but that's the first person, therefore the fastest person. So you are then an athlete. So fastest known times to me are phenomenal. You can do it on a bike, you can do it in the in you can you can swim it, or you can run it, depending on the type of, of trail and stuff. And you can just go out and do your thing. You know, there's a local um 50 kilometer loop around somewhere north of just here, which nobody's done and it's not listed on a fastest known time. You could go and run it tomorrow. It could take you all bloody day. But, but it's the fastest? The fastest known time, and you'll be immortalized on that website. So, you know. Do you pay for a race or just be inventive and do your own adventure and say, hey, I've done the fastest known time, the first fastest known time of this route. So there's a lot that you can play with there, which is why the FKT of, of the Cape Wrath Trail really appealed to me because yeah. my naivety and my maths, if I didn't know any of the records at all, I wouldn't have felt any stress about the number at all because I looked at that and go, I know what my average pace can be. I know how much time I'm going to need to take off throughout the entire trail. So I know I can do it in that particular time. Well, if you compare it to the current fastest known time or the one before this previous one, you know, I had like two days buffer zone. Mm-hmm. That would have been two days faster. And like, if I hadn't have looked into that, I wouldn't even have thought about it. And then I realized that it was Damien Hall and Beth Pascal that did the um, record. And I'm like, geez, they're big timers. I'm nothing. Uh, I wonder if they'll mind if I asked them about trail. And I just rang them and they were like, oh, hey. And we had this like lovely conversation about running and stuff. And Damien and Beth are phenomenal, phenomenal people. And then, um, um, oh my goodness me, what's his name? Oh my goodness me. Nope, it's gone. Um, the guy who's local in Malek, who's just broken the record, you know, he's just dropped 20 hours off the record, 20 hours off the record, which is insane. Um, and you're like, and he's a big time runner, and you're like, wow. And then you get imposter syndrome, and then you get everything else that falls into it. Yeah. So, what's interesting and what adds to you know your arsenal in terms of coaching is you just got to deal with that. You know, that's the mental resilience side of life. That's that's not letting your mind talk you out of it. You're in a chimp, say you're not good enough, and you can't do this. You just got to look at it, and with that um, with that Ross Edgeley style of naivety and stubbornness to finish, you've just got to get it done. And yeah. at the end of the day, whether it happens next week or whether it happens next year, it doesn't really matter. You've just got to do in your own head, write a contract to yourself and do what you said you were going to do. I have said that I'm going to break the fastest known time for the Cape Wrath Trail. So I'm going to do it at some point. 
it will get done in 2023 because I need to put it to bed. So, yeah, it's been a bit of a relationship and it's also, it will be when I've done it, the toughest thing I've ever done. So all my challenges are ramping up and up and up and up and up. And this is going to be a, a real, a real push for sure. So are you, sorry, sorry no, I was just going to ask, obviously like the Cape Wrath, the official trail race, you know, they obviously have all these like pit stops camps and all that. What are you doing for, do you just rest when you, you when you want type thing? Have you got an idea of places you're going to stop? Are you mm. carrying everything? Do you meet people on the route? So um, like a lot of questions there. <laughs> I'm just intrigued. So version 1.0 back in 2020, I was going to have an entire film crew following me and they were going to turn it into a documentary. We're going to try and get it into Kendall. It was a big operation. It was going to be supported, which meant there was going to be someone in a van meeting me at various road intersections, throwing food at me, giving me the opportunity to sleep, recharging batteries. So I didn't need to carry everything that I needed to carry. And obviously over the years, you know, that film crew dropped off. They've got business to do. That's that's cool. They've got to do their thing. And that opportunity kind of got lost. And that's cool. That's just the way the way life works. And then I thought, well, I don't need to rely on anyone. I don't need to pay loads of money to have this documentary done. It just doesn't need to happen. So I thought, I'll just do the unsupported one, which is usually the longer time, because you're going to take longer, and beat all of the times for the Cape Wrath Trail. So the fastest known time, you'll have an unsupported, a self-supported, and a supported version. And like unsupported is you carry everything on your person that you possibly will need for the entire duration. Self-supported is I can go to various um, locations along the way and put like a little food drop to wait for me. Um, And then you've got supported, which is having a team to follow you. So the unsupported bit should be the longest time. And I thought, well, if I just carry everything that I need, I could probably break all of the times. Um, Or in my head, in my naivety, I thought I could just do that. And that works better for me because I'm not relying on anybody else. So there's no excuses apart from my own head for not doing it. Um, So I will be carrying everything that I possibly need. And the kit that I was practicing with when I went up the other week was was phenomenal. So you're only carrying like 10 kilos worth of stuff in total if you want to go like super light on stuff. But that's all your food, Uh, not all your water because you just drink from the rivers in Scotland, but all your food, um, wet and warm kit. I took a inflatable roll mat and a bivy bag to sleep in because you're going to need to sleep over what's going to be just under three days. Um, But that sleep is only really going to be a maximum of four stops. And each one of those stops is going to be a maximum of 45 minutes. So, you know, you're not sleeping for that long, but it sounds like super hoorah. But when we, when we look at the sleep, if I, if you personally, I know that if I, I've been out and doing like military exercises and stuff. If I sleep for more than like two hours, I can't wake up. And you're, you've got that sleep inertia and you're like, oh, I just feel like death. Whereas if you have like a quick half an hour, 45 minute nap, you can wake up and feel so fresh. And if you can time that at the time where you know in the 24 hour clock that you are most dead, then you can really program yourself to wake up. So for me, that's the dead hours of between sort of two o'clock in the morning and four o'clock in the morning. Like I usually get up around sort of 4.35 in the morning anyway. So early morning's great. But that gap, that's like a full on dead zone. And that's where I really struggle. So if I can sleep in that time, then I'm utilizing my tools that I need to use in the best way possible. So, yes, there are stops programmed and there are places to walk programmed just so you can kind of alter your pace. Um, But ultimately, you want to stop 
quickly whip a stove out, boil some water, eat some food, get into a sleeping bag, and that's an hour maximum, including food and admin time, to then get get up and get moving again. Because you, you, you've just got to maintain momentum on these sort of things, you know? Wow. I feel like we could ask you, like, questions about this all day. I'm just like, I feel my mind is blown. I think a lot of, I'm conscious of, you know, I'm not I'm not action man. I'm just I, I genuinely just a just a just a normal person with a bit of a weird broken mind because I see these things and I think I could probably do that. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I could probably do that. And I want to instill to people that they can have that similar mindset. If they have enough naivety and enough courage to say yes, then you can literally do anything. And my someone else's version of a 230 mile run across the Scottish Highlands could be their first 5k, could be their first 10k, could be their first vertical kilometer, their first mountain race, their first 100 mile bike ride, their first sea swim, their first whatever, you know, deep water, dark, deep water used to scare their pants off me. So for me, once upon a time, that 230 mile run was having the confidence to go at Tarbert Isle at the tip of uh, Loch Lomond, wade into the water and just swim without literally shitting myself and i remember that day so well the first time i was that's the one of the very few times i've had true panic in my life and thought this is horrendous and that was 10 meters away from the shore so as much as it sounds really cool to tell the story of how i'm doing this massive mega crazy thing it's all relative to the amount of experience and time you put into certain things because if if if, if anyone else puts what for me has really been 10 years to try and get to something this big, then you'll be able to do it as well. But people look at that and go, I could never do anything like that and therefore never do anything. But in reality, you've just got to put that relative to where your current confidence and competence and and sort of courage is to be able to go, right, well, actually I could go and walk up that hill over there on my own for the first time ever, or I could go and do my first wild camp on my own where I'm terrified that I'm going to get killed. You know, I can go and do something or I can go do my first wild swim alone on my own in a waterfall pool where I, even though I'm scared of deep water, you know, it's it's just making things relative so that people can go, huh, well, I'll do my version of that. And then you'll do it and you think you're guaranteed to think, and I promise you you'll think this, you're like, what else I could do? And then you'll think, why haven't I done this before? And that thought process, that's the key. That's the key to unlocking every other door for the rest of your life for doing more adventurous things. And it takes a boatload of courage, a boatload of naivety, and a boatload of just holding your breath and just doing the bloody thing anyway to then actually get you through it, you know? Honestly, Ben, we could talk to you all day. You've got so much. Like, I feel like I've learned. (laughs) I'm already questioning, you know, like how I do things as well. But, I I mean, I think we have to have you back when you've done the Cape Wrath, just because... I have all the questions for that. Um, if you would love to come back on, we'd love to have you. But we better give your evening back. So we're going to just wrap up and we do have some quick fire questions. Hannah, do you want to take this? Okay. So do you prefer adventure with friends or solo? Solo. An Instagram profile you admire and why? You said quick fire. Damn. Um... <laughs> yeah, we don't expect you. You have to answer straight away. You can, you can have a think. I really like... Is it Chris? Is it Williamson or Wilkinson? Whatever his name is, the modern um, modern wisdom podcast guy. His page really like it. There's another one as well that's kind of like I think it's called like Stoic Visuals, which is like a very gra- um, graphic way of putting across 
really cool, poignant points about life. I think both of those really, really good because they kind of make you think deeply about stuff. Well, you've kind of answered this one. What's on the adventure wish list, which obviously we know is the Cape Bath Trail, but is there maybe one for 2024, a quick snippet of something that might be on the horizon? So I have unfinished business with Iceland, so I intend to be going back there. There is the potential for a very long, potentially alpine-based mountain bike race. And I'll leave it there. Okay. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What would you tell your teenage self? I love that question. Have the confidence to follow your gut feeling because every single time it'll be right. I I really like that. My gut feeling has never been wrong. Much to my detriment sometimes, and it's been painful, but it's never been wrong. So having the confidence to, you know, just trust it and go with it. And Emily has had a, added this one on to the, uh, the quick fire round. What is the must-have snack on an adventure? Peanut butter. Oh, yes. That is just out the jar. There's a, there's a brand called Resilient Nutrition, and they do like peanut butter sachet things. And they do one that's got cinnamon and ginger, and it is sensationally good. That sounds good. Unbelievably good. And it, what's even better is if you boil some like milk or, or something or milk powder or whatever, and then you put the entire sachet into it, you get an absolute filth hot chocolate. It's really good news. Your face is amazing while you're describing that. What's the snack option for Cape Wrath? What kind of food are you taking with you? I know this is not quick fire. Uh, so that's a mixture of things. So I have I make my own energy gels, um, which are much better than anything you can buy on the shops. Um, basically, <laughs> they are a little bit more easily digestible for me. The exact amount of carbohydrates that I need, and they have a copious amount of Nutella in them. Um, so that is a large part of it. Another part is peanut butters. Another part is like food bars that I've made myself. So they're kind of like. They're a bit like kind of date and nut based bars, but I've made them myself with arguably better ingredients for me to eat and digest. They're slightly softer. Um, and then things like, um, you know, the freeze dried meal packets. I use the brand called, I think they're, I think they're called Adventure Food, which I take taste pretty good. You add boiling water to them. So they're lighter, add boiling water to them and they're tons of calories, which is good fun. Very nice. Thank you so much. You've been awesome. Honestly, it's it gave me food for thought for some of the things that challenges you want to set yourself and actually maybe challenge myself rather than always just signing up for races. Yeah, 100%. And it's people find lots and lots of pressure to perform, to do these things, especially when they get the adventure bug. It's like, oh, I need to do this thing. I need to do the next thing. I need to do the next thing. Just think outside the box and just do something and, and do it mainly for you, not for the, you know, for accolades and medals or ego massaging. You know, you're doing something for you because that's how you feel that you should be living life. I think that's the most important message, really. What an awesome way to finish. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Follow us on Instagram at Adventure Blether. We'd also love it if you could share, rate and subscribe to our podcast. Bye. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs>